Okay. So I just want to read a quick scripture that's been uh, speaking to me lately. If I can find it. Uh, so it's John 13, verse 34. And it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So I've been, um, I mentioned this to Tim a few, a little while ago, and I've been very encouraged because, um, you know, through my work at the Hub and also, you know, doing different outreach things, I like Tim, I often hear a lot of testimonies. Um, and I've been hearing a lot of testimonies about you guys and all the things that, you know, you guys get up to, um, you know, in the background. Because Tim's up here, the musicians are here, you can see them. But you can't often see all the other things that go on in the background. So um, I've always been one to um, think of practical things. So you know, I'm a carpenter, so, you know you build things and you see a result. But um, I've been reading about Paul in Acts. So Acts 9 says, um, hang on. Find my thing. Yeah, so in Acts 9, so Paul's been harassing the church. People in the church, anyone who believes in the way, they called it. So, he gets a bit of, um, he gets a letter saying that he can go to Syria, to Damascus, and he can go there and he can imprison people. And I thought, well, you know, Paul's a fairly influential person in the Bible, isn't he? Like, he wrote a lot of it, a lot of the New Testament. So, um, I was reading, you know, as he, he goes blind, he sees Jesus or he, he hears Jesus, and he goes blind, and then um, he ends up in Damascus. And then I thought it was interesting that God was also speaking to somebody else who wasn't famous, who wasn't, you know, we don't see much of him, we don't hear about him again, actually, I don't think, in the Bible. So, so I'll just read it out to you. Um, Okay, so there, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is cho a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him 
many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So I thought, <laughs> imagine being Ananias and hearing God say to you, go to this bloke who's killing everybody and pray for him. Now, I have to say, I would have second thoughts about whether I was hearing from God or not. But to bring it back to today, you know, like Ananias was a nobody. He was just somebody who loved Jesus. And he was doing his best to follow Jesus as a disciple where he lived, right? So as I look out at you guys today, you know, I see a lot of people who are doing a lot of little things in their little part of the world, so their little sphere of influence, so the people around them. You know, like, you know, Arnie, do you know Arnie? Yeah, he sends out encouragement cards. You know, Arnie can't go and run a marathon, or he can't, you know, he's physically having trouble at the moment, but Arnie sends out encouragement cards. Um, Postcards with scriptures on them. I received one last week and it so blessed me because it was spot on. Um, I wear this shirt because, you know, it says iron sharpens iron and I believe that um, the way that we're going to affect the world is by loving each other and sometimes that's rubbing up against each other and annoying each other and sometimes it's blessing each other. I mean, Prayer and Megan, you know, we all know what they get up to. They're um, in the main street. And, you know, you wouldn't believe how many people I talk to who say, do you know the people with the music? You know, it's one thing that they do just because they feel that that's what God wants them to do. I mean, Debbie Gamlin, organising all the mentor, the mentors for new Christians, you know, like, and writing that big book with Rosaline. You know, there's so many people uh, doing all that. And I just want to encourage everybody because that's a massive thing. Um, It's such a big deal to do those little things. And I I must say that I've been on the receiving end of a lot of things from you guys that have blessed us so much. So I just want to tell you a testimony of during the week. And uh, I think it's important to share reality as well. So, um, you know, like we're all not perfect. So (laughs) I found myself in a situation during the week And I got a phone call in the morning and I had a whole lot of things to do. I had all these other situations to deal with. And this week for us has been hectic. So I get this phone call and I have to go and try and sort this out. Um, And you know what, I wasn't happy about it. I was actually a bit angry, I was a bit frustrated. And there's a business person here and I I don't want to, you know, name anything with him but there's a business person and you know this guy knows every single customer that he has he knows everything that about them he knows all the issues they have he you know he is such a blessing 
he really he shares the gospel with these people uh, in his business um, and he just gets blessed uh, with these customers but you know I walked in there <laughs> and I was a bit, a-, a bit angry actually I was frustrated I was really annoyed and I'm talking to him and I'm saying look I don't know what to do we need to find a solution and you know what he looked me straight in the eye and he said come over here he pulled me aside and he said Matt he said it's not the situation you need to push that to the side because the people are never the problem you need to love the people and you know that was straight from God because right in that moment that was where my heart was my heart was annoyed with the people but it's a situation it was a situation that none of us could have anticipated but you know like so my heart wasn't right he pulls me aside he lovingly looks me in the eye and he said you know push that aside Matt that's not the problem it's you you know it's your heart but I mean that's what family does doesn't it we walk around with each other and we sometimes we pull each other up sometimes we lift each other up sometimes we hold each other and drag each other a little bit um you know like another testimony that i had this week was i was at the free camp doing the barbecue and um we were i sort of we go around and we talk to everybody and we say come over and Neil, my father-in-law, who's a powerhouse, you know, he buys all the food, he organises it all, you know, like, he doesn't get any recognition, he just is in the background. My dad cooks the barbecue, you know, that's his thing, that's all he wants to do. If you cook the barbecue, you're in trouble, you know, like, if he doesn't get, if he gets there late and you're cooking the barbecue, he's like, get out of here. But that's his ministry, that's his thing, you know, we all have a ministry, I think we look look to other people and we think these guys up the front have a ministry and you know I don't have a ministry but every single one of us has a ministry of some kind and some of us write encouragement cards some of us go out and do the outreach because we can we're physically able or we we have the means to do it some people just bless each bless each other and visit people. Some people provide food, like Harry and Steve. You know, so there's a whole host of people. But we were organising this, you know, barbecue. So I went round, and Neil had already gone around. And I thought, well, I really feel like I have to go back around. <laughs> Not because he didn't do a good job, but just because the Holy Spirit said to me, go and do another another round. So I went to this bus, and I talked to this bloke. I said, you know, we're doing a barbie come over so this bloke comes out he's got tattoos everywhere no shirt you know big tough guy and he's like god don't do nothing for me and i'm like okay so he just said god so i can talk to him about it (laughs) so i said well may not have to disagree because i said god god has done a lot for me so i actually got to share my testimony Um, And this bloke, he just started crying. (laughs) This big tough bloke, you know, and he's crying. And I'm just there going, okay, what do I do now, God, you know? And he said to me, through his tears, he said, Matt, that's nearly exactly like my life. 
And I said, mate, and I got to tell him the gospel. I got to say, you know, it's Jesus is the answer. So he saw Jesus in me. But, he, but you know what? He didn't make any decisions. He just was crying. So I think he was a bit embarrassed. But, you know, I was the only one that in our group that could have gone up to that bloke because my story was just like his, but I didn't know that. So all of us, when we go out and about, you know, we don't know what's going on with the other people. We know what's going on with us, but we've got to share that. And as a church, it's a family. You know, like, I came into this place and I was very sceptical. But now I couldn't live without, you know, you guys. And Jesus has just changed my life so much. And it's through the love. And I'm, it's such a journey. And I'm realising it now that, you know, when I first looked out at, you know, big name people standing up there and all this stuff's happening and I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? You know? And he just said to me, love the people around you. And, you know, from there, that's what people see and that's what attracts them. I mean, my dad came to this church because he thought we were in a cult because I'd changed so radically, so quickly. And then, you know what, he's still here. He actually fell over last night and had an ambulance at like 10 o'clock at night out at Mondrian. So he's, uh, he's, he's okay. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce prayed for his... <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, I blame Bruce because the tingling went away. And I was like, that's good, Dad. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's all I had to say. But I just wanted to, rem to remind everybody that, you know, there's so many people here doing some amazing things. And there's also lots of opportunities that we can all get involved. You know, there's so many different teams. There's the hub. Um, you know, there's lots of things. But I just want to encourage us to all, you know, purposely look for ways and listen to the Holy Spirit about what's going on around us and what we can, how we can share. Or what we can do. I mean... We've had some people just walk up and give us money sometimes. And you know what? We really needed that. You know, like, we really needed that. And no one knew except God. And he put it on someone's heart and said, go and give that to Matt and Tam. And, you know, that changed our world. So I just encourage you guys to um, get out there and love people and let the love of God shine through you. That's a good preach. I like that. Um, thanks, everybody, for the opportunity, or Tim specifically, for the opportunity to speak with you this morning. Look, I was going to talk about the kingdom of God, and I might get there, but I just want to follow on from um, what Matt was saying there. Um, and I'm going to do that from Matthew 25, verse 14, the parable of the talents. Now, we've all heard the, the parable of the talents. The king comes in, uh, he's got three servants. He says, you have one talent, you have five, you have ten. And then the king goes away. Um, what God shared with me, well, maybe two years ago now, in regards to that, is those three servants were given talents according to their abilities. So they weren't given talents as in, you know, um, 
being able to preach the gospel or being able to play music or anything like that. They were given a talent according to their ability. Um, I'll just read it quickly. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two and another one bag. I'm glad we read this because I had the wrong numbers there. Uh, Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who'd received five bags of gold at once put his money to work and he gained five more bags. So that the king there gave him five bags because he knew this guy had an ability to do something with those five bags. The second man with the two bags of gold went and made two more. But the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, the master still thought that that person had some ability because he gave him some talent, something to do something with. But he just dug it in the ground. Anyway, the master comes back and um, gives extra talents to the, the two guys that multiplied their talents. Uh, but the guy that just dug a hole and put his talent into the ground, he actually took that off that, that servant and called him a wicked servant. And I suppose the point I want to make is God has given us all abilities. It might be, you know, a ministry of music. It might be musical giftings. And my wife is always encouraging me to use my musical gifting because sometimes I don't. You know, I just put my guitar away and I don't praise God. It might be that you have an ability to teach. It might be that God has given you the ability to make a really great coffee or, you know, cook a really awesome barbecue. I'm assuming that your father-in-law cooks a good barbecue. Yeah. But the thing is, those abilities, God will give you an opportunity to use those abilities. And what is it that you are doing with that opportunity? You know, that's what the talents represent. They represent opportunity to use your ability. Um, and, and the word response ability is your response to your ability. So when God gives you an opportunity, how are you going to respond? How are you going to use your abilities to uh, work his kingdom and multiply that? And everybody has abilities. Nobody has no abilities. It might be that you can write postcards. It might be that, you know, you can tie somebody's shoes. So I just encourage you on that. But that's not what I wanted to speak on, if that's all right. I just I was really encouraged by your message and wanted to share that. Um, what I want to talk about today is the kingdom of God. And I'm speaking out of Matthew 5, uh, chapters 5 to 7, which is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, and about smack bang in the middle of this uh, sermon, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I don't know if it's exactly the middle of that message, but it's about the middle of that message. You know, those who belong to God are part of his kingdom. I'm going to assume that 95 to 99% of the people here today would say that they belong to God's kingdom. Yep, there's a few nods, that's good. Maybe not quite that high percentage, but we'll see. Um, So God has a kingdom... And then there's a righteousness that goes along with that, a right way of living. And my encouragement today is to everybody that would call themselves a Christian, would call themselves somebody who follows after God. So let's just quickly talk about um, the characteristics of a kingdom. Firstly, 
there is a ruling party, a king of some sort. So kingdom doesn't exist without somebody that rules that. Second thing is there are subjects to that king. So they're the people who should be obedient to that king or that ruling party. And then thirdly, a, a third characteristic of the kingdom is that there are laws or there should be something to obey within that kingdom. And in addition to that, there'll be a jurisdiction for that kingdom. So the kingdom will have boundaries, I suppose. And let's look at Australia as an example. So the ruling party, we actually elect them and we'll elect them soon. Um, 21st of May or thereabouts, is it? 22nd of May? Yep. So they're the ruling party. They're the ones who make the law. And whilst they're not necessarily to be obeyed, you know, on a personal level, like a king would be, they're the ones that make the law. They're the ruling party. In Australia, we, if you're an Australian citizen or you're living here or you're here on a visa or, or however your situation is, if you're in Australia, you are subject to those laws. And all of those rules, they, they govern how we do things in Australia. And I just quickly looked up how many laws there are in Australia. But first, does anybody know how many commands there are in the Bible for Christians, roughly? Ten? Yep. In the Old Testament, there's 613 that are considered commands. In the New Testament, there's about 1,050. So that's, you know, between 16 and 1,700 commands for Christians. How many, com how many uh, laws do you think are in Australia? You want to hazard a guess, anybody? Thousands. I just Googled it quickly. There are 40,000 laws in Australia, or 40,000 documents surrounding laws. Now, I, I work in human resource... And I deal with, I don't know, maybe a couple of dozen different laws that I have to interpret and apply to the, the workplace that I'm in. And some of those laws are, you know, a thousand pages long. So when you think we have 40,000 laws and lots of those laws might be contain, you know, a thousand pages worth of instruction, that's a lot of law. Not so bad in the kingdom of God, eh? Only 1,600 or so. Praise God. Now, I don't know all the law in Australia. In fact, if you ask a lawyer, any old lawyer, you know, about a specific law, they're probably not going to specialise in that. They're not going to know what that law is. Um, and in, you know, in my work, I speak to lawyers who focus on employment law specifically, but there's lawyers that do things with, you know, business law and um, the law to do with houses and stuff like that, whatever that is. Um, land law, I'm not quite sure. Anyway, lots of laws. We're not a specialist in all of it. Um, and I think it's the same in the, the kingdom of God. We're not going to be a specialist. We're not going to know all of the laws all the time. And we're not going to know how to apply those laws all the time. Um, if we did, that would be awesome. But it's not the case. So that's Australia. What about God's kingdom? Well, we know who the king is, yeah? It's Jesus. Yeah. Some people are excited about that. I think he's a good king. He's never going to die. He's always going to get it right. And he loves us. Who are the subjects then? We are, that's right. Those who say we follow Jesus, we are the subjects of Jesus, the King. And his laws then, what are, what are his commands, what are his laws, what's his instruction to us on how to live? Well, thankfully, we've got a Bible which contains a lot of, I suppose, basic laws, basic instructions on how we should live in God's kingdom. But in addition to that, God might say to somebody individually, you are to do this, you are to go there, 
you're to do that. And I think that should also be taken as a law from God for your life. So to be a good citizen of God's kingdom, we need to uphold and obey his law. And not doing this is actually called sin. In 1 John 3, 4 it says, um, for sin does transgress the law. So sin goes outside of the law. Um, So if we are not obeying God's commands, if we're not living under his command and under his rulership, then we are actually in sin. And we don't want to do that because, you know, Paul says, don't sin. So I think lots of people call Jesus their king. And many people, we confess that we are subjects of that king. Sometimes, though, when it comes to obeying his law, we're a little bit more rebellious. Um, Or is that just me? No? Some people are nodding, some people are shaking their heads. Okay. All right, let's read uh, Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You've heard it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies. If you love those who love you, what reward will that get you? Uh, Not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I I think this is really important to understand as Christians, that the intent of God's law, the goal of God's law, is love. And if we understand the rest of his commands from that position, hopefully we won't get it too wrong, like the Pharisees did. So the goal of it is love. And I think Jesus is saying here, the perfect way, the way the Father is perfect, is he loves everybody. He loves his enemies. And he demonstrated that to us by dying on the cross, not just for those who love him, but for those who hate him as well, who are his enemies. So all the laws, all the commands in the Bible understood through the goal and the intent to love. So let's have a quick look at just a handful of our king's laws, if that's all right. And these are laws, instructions, commands that have come from Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So the first one, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, comes from the Old Testament. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Law number one, it's not, not law number one as in the first one, it's just the first one we're addressing today, just to be clear. Law number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. But this one here, don't resist an evil person, turn the other cheek. You know, Jesus commands that. Oftentimes I've heard Christians explain that away. Why or when we might not have to turn the other cheek or why or when we don't have to resist or we, we can resist an evil person. Um, but Jesus says, don't resist an evil person. So you can choose to say, all right, I'll do that. Or you can choose to justify that away. Here we go, number two. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus says, do not judge. Again, I've heard Christians explain this away about, you know, we can judge people. It's all right to judge people in certain situations. But Jesus says, don't judge. It's not my words, it's Jesus's. Matthew 5, verse 42. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
give to those who ask. Do you know that's sometimes challenging? Because we often think, well, that person's asking for something from us. And then we start to go over in our mind, perhaps, what they might do with what we give them and whether they're worthy of receiving what they're asking for, whether they're worthy for us to give them something. But Jesus says, just give to the one who asks you. And I love Peter's uh, display of that when he's going up to the temple and the beggar says, give me some money. And Peter says, I haven't got money, but I can give to you. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's crazy. If you don't forgive others when they sin against you, Jesus says, the Father won't forgive you. Forgive those who sin against you. Another command. Here's another one. Don't take oaths. Again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you've made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven or for it's God's throne or by earth, where it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, where it's the city of the great king. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't swear an oath. And I think there's several times in the Old Testament, if you read through Kings and Chronicles and Samuel, you know, where the kings have taken an oath and it's really come back to bite them, you know, where they've been then responsible to say, kill their own child. Um, which is horrible. So don't take an oath. Don't commit adultery or sexual immorality. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anybody that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus is saying, you know, don't commit adultery, certainly, but don't even look lustfully. That's another command. Don't lay up treasures in heaven. Oh, sorry, don't lay up treasures on earth. Do lay up treasures in heaven. <laughs> we'll just rewind that a little bit. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. So, the command there, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. And this is something that God's been speaking to our family about recently. Um, you know, as we witnessed, not been, as we're witnessed to by other people that we meet on the road. Here's a good one. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, food, clothing. Matthew 6, verse 31 and 34. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I think this must be really hard for people that struggle with anxiety, you know, to obey that command. But Jesus says, don't do it. Don't worry. You don't need to worry about tomorrow or your food or your drink or where you'll be. So that's just, I don't know, five or six things from the Sermon on the Mount. And I think what Jesus is doing in that, that piece of scripture, he says, God has a kingdom. There's a right way to live in that kingdom. That right way is to love. And then he starts to expound on what love looks like. You know, Jesus said in Luke 17, 21, that the kingdom of God is within us. That willingness to obey God, 
the willingness to surrender to his law, his commands, as part of his kingdom. That's not an external thing. That starts here in our hearts. And I think that if we have that attitude that, okay, God, I just want to obey you in everything, and we start there, you know, when we can't understand some of the laws or how to apply some of God's laws sometimes, he'll lead us in the right way to do that. Obedience to him is an internal, citizen, is an internal decision and we claim our citizenship in God's kingdom through Jesus' work on the cross. Do you know, I think that, just to finish with, I think that the message of God's kingdom has been preached a lot more in the last probably 10 or 15 years, you know, and maybe that's just because that's when I started listening to preachers a bit, but maybe not. Um, but I think God is calling his church back to a right way of living. And I think for a long time we have explained away our need to obey Christ, need to obey his words. And I think God's saying, that's, that's enough of that. It's time to look at my words, put them into practice always. And I think the ultimate goal of that is to love. Love your enemy, love one another as Christ has loved us. So church, I pray that encourages you to think, how can I better obey and follow God? Bless you. Tim, it looks like you're going to get up. I just want to sum all that up with a word that God gave me this morning. But Jason said he had a testimony that he wanted to share. So come on, Jace. Morning. Uh, we nearly lost my daughter last week, and so I sent Tim a request for prayer. And uh, there was a lot of prayer went into Bell, and uh, she uh, she turned the corner. Amen. And she's back home. Come on. And so yeah, we thought we were going to definitely lose her this time. So yeah, there's a bit more to the story, but anyway. So thank you everyone for praying. Appreciate it. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, long story short, I remember they were, they were driving down to Brisbane saying, well, it looks like we're going to have to say goodbye to our daughter. And then they said, will you start praying? So we started praying. And um, yeah, our God is a God of resurrection, amen? Our God is a God of life. I just want to wrap something. Oh, you've got, I just want to wrap this message up this morning with something that God gave me. But it looks like Tanya's got something that she wants to add to that, I'm thinking. He, he's a, a man of few words. Sorry, I'm just going to add a little bit to that. Um, I think it's important for you all to probably know how serious it was Like for what Jason was saying. We thought we'd lose her. Um, so Jason's, well, our, our daughter Bella, she's a, a child with a disability. With it, um, she wasn't vaccinated. She caught COVID um, because her disabilities are pretty severe. It hit her really hard. She, it, immune systems down and everything she was actually on a ventilator um, so you hear the stories around everywhere that once you're on a ventilator you don't come off so this is a miracle <laughs> this is proof people come off ventilators um, and with it she just went from strength to strength and strength and it was from the power of prayer Amen. so there is power in our prayers come on and also want to say that it's important that we reach out 
it's so easy in that time to get caught up in yeah. what's happening and not let people know. Yeah. But you have to let people know because then the prayer team, prayer warriors come out yeah. and that's, yeah. that's when they turn the corner. We, we hadn't even... We hadn't, hadn't even reached down there. We are driving on the way down like we were told that she was about to go. We're driving down there and even as we're driving down, we got a call and they go, well, um, that she's, she's turned a corner. She's, she's getting better and then just got strength to strength to strength. Um, there's other miracles and that, that have happened through it too, just restoration of relationships and stuff. So God is just so powerful. Um, he can do all things. He can do all things. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Tanya. So true. You know, I always say when we're going through battles, the enemy wants to try and have us isolate. You know, but you've got to go against that natural reaction. You have to go against that. You have to go, no, I actually need my brothers and sisters more than ever before. And there's a great testimony of just that. Amen. God is good. Hey, I just want to wrap this up as, as the music team will come forward in a tick. I'm just thinking like as Matt and Nick were sharing, we're thinking about, you know, like the, so much of it was about the external things, I suppose. What we do, how we live life, what we should be doing on this kind of stuff. I just really felt that God wanted me to share something with you this morning based upon uh, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's something about that, the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart. I want to rewind the clock 30 years ago. So I was one of those kids that was raised in church in a little Presbyterian church in the suburb of Riverside, we had some great missionary uh, pastors. I have fond memories of that. I remember having Bible verses every Sunday. And you know what? You know, I've heard people downplay, you know, some of the things that some churches do. But I am so thankful that they got the Word of God into me early. There are so many scripture verses. There's so many passages. There's so many things in here because at, because at an early age, someone said, get the Word of God into you. But as we, you know, 30 years ago, well, almost 30 years ago, when Bonnie and I were married, you know, we looked at each other. And, you know, Christianity and, and, and church and stuff like that had just become a tradition. It was just something that we did. We got up on a Sunday and we, and we went to church and then we went home again and we lived life. And when we got married, we looked at each other and we said, there has to be more to it than this, otherwise, what's the point? Now, you've got to understand me. I believed, there was part of me that believed that God was God. It wasn't that I'd walk completely away from God. My, in, in, in my mind or with my mouth, I would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord according to that scripture. I would declare that. But yet there wasn't the transference from here into here. I didn't really believe it in my heart. My heart was not engaged to the point that it could have been. And so when we prayed that prayer, and I want to tell you today, the best thing that you can do is say, God, I want to know you more. That is the best simple prayer that you can pray. Wherever you are right now with God, there is always more. And the simple prayer is, God, I need you more. I want to know you more. I want to walk with you more. And you know, God answers that prayer. It may not always be the way that you want him to answer it, but he will answer that prayer because he is faithful. 
And I want to say that that was the marker in our walk with Jesus where, the, where God started to become alive. That it wasn't just a bunch of rules that we followed. It wasn't just trying to live a better life, but our hearts were now engaged. And as I always refer to the marriage that I have with my wife, there is nothing intentionally in me that I want to hurt her. Do I hurt her sometimes by something I might say? Yes, I, yes, I do. But there's nothing that I want to intentionally do that. When your heart becomes engaged, you want to love the way that he loves us. And you begin to experience God. So it wasn't just a confession with our mouths, but all of a sudden it was a belief in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whilst I was brought up in the church and I understood a lot of scripture and I could quote stuff and I was involved in different ways, I would class that as my born again moment. Because something started to change in me from the inside out. And it's interesting that it says on the back of this verse, it says, one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness. It's not just the confession of your mouth that results in righteousness. It is the believing in your heart that results in righteousness because you are agreeing with God and His Spirit begins to move in you and move through you, resulting in righteousness. It's not all these things that you have to do. It's actually things that now you want to do. I don't want to murder. I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to lie or steal or kill or destroy. I don't want to gossip about people behind their backs. I don't want to tear people down intentionally. I don't want to do those things. And it's not because it was written on tablets of stone, but it's because it's been written in my heart. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you are in your walk with God, that there is more. Amen? And I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. God, I want to know you more. I need you more. Have your way in me. Here I am, God. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer and keep praying that prayer because the Holy Spirit will take that and, you know, you will be able to look back and you will see a marker in your life where, where, where God invaded in such a way that your life was changed. It is not us trying to attain righteousness. It is us living out of the righteousness that is ours in Christ. Amen. You've got to believe it in your heart. And I don't know if there's anyone here today that that speaks to, that you know the Scriptures, you can quote stuff, you understand stuff. Maybe you were born in church in a sense. Maybe you have been around the church your life, but you still feel like there's something missing. Or maybe today's the day that you pray that prayer and say, God, I want to know you. Because the Word of God says that if, he are, that if you ask for a loaf of bread, you're not going to get a stone. Ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Ask for more of Him. Believe in your heart. You will see the change. There's a lot of people that have been going through battles over their life. There's a lot of people that have been going through battles in the last six months, in the last 12 months. The best thing you can do is to keep your eyes on Jesus. The best thing you can do, the very tests that you've been going through will become your testimony. Amen? Sometimes I pray to prayer like, God, I want to know you more, and then something doesn't go right in my life. Am I the only one that's ever had that? And I'm like, God, I want to know you more. I'm like, 
And you understand the love of God and you want to love the way that God loves. And you know, I love that passage about um, I love that passage about Saul because you know Saul was persecuting. He was persecuting, and when Jesus appeared to him, he he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? He didn't say, Why do you persecute Gary? Why do you, why do you persecute Beth? Why do you persecute Nick? Why do you perse- persecute Kay? He said, No, no, he said, Why do you persecute me? And that is why I am very careful in my language about the body of Christ in any given city. Because who am I pulling down? That come from a heart thing. One of the things that I carry in my heart is, is honour. I, I like to see honour and I like to see it done well. And in so many circles we just see dishonour and dishonour and dishonour. You know, these things that God does in your, in your life... It's because you start praying that prayer, God, I want to know you more. So whatever your battle you've been going through, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Because whatever you behold, you will become. If you behold the things that are not right, you will get more bitter. If you behold the one who is worthy, he will make you more righteous. We're going to close with this song. That would have been a good one. But I really felt in my spirit this morning that Scripture says that the Lord has set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And I love the fact that your cup overflows. You see, our God is not a God of lack. He's a God of abundance in every way. I'm not talking about just finance. Like, I'm not talking about finances here. I'm talking about everything that you need. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, you know, all that stuff. Everything that has been poured out from heaven, the resources of heaven. God is a God of abundance. And He wants to see it pressed down, shaken together and overflowing in your life. Because as I said last week, you are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. And your life is a living testimony. Your life is a witness to other people about the goodness and grace of God. Amen. But the enemy wants it. He wants to get our focus on anything else other than Jesus. And he will use any trial, any distraction, anything, even Facebook, which is the more I'm on Facebook, I call it fake book. Because you know what? That's pretty much what it is. He will use anything to get you distracted so you lose your focus upon Jesus. Because even he knows... What you behold, you become. So let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. There's a table that He's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. Uh, It may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by Him. Amen.